honestly, I was just working my way up to death. I thought about killing myself every day. I was using all the time, and I, that's not a sustainable lifestyle. My brother shot himself because of drugs. When you are using technology to lure children for sexual purposes, there's a couple of problems that concern me. But I remember feeling kind of relieved after hurting myself. Do you have any idea how much you were worth? I like to say it this way, great people are really built in the furnace of affliction. Our teens are navigating a world of information anarchy and increased stress and pressure. Drugs are glorified more than ever before and there seems to be a suicide option that didn't exist prior. As adults, we are responsible to provide the help at-risk teens need. Have teens changed or is it just the world they live in that's different? Is this why so many teens are traumatized or triggered? My name is Aaron Huey and in 2009, I opened a home for these teens with the hopes of giving them a second chance at creating the life we all know they deserve. Now I want to give parents the information that contributed to our success and to support them in navigating the at-risk world. These are the stories told by the teens and the techniques used by experts to help them. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. So when I was a child and I was first diagnosed with ADHD and learning disabilities, um, I was in fourth grade when this happened. And I remember a book that suddenly appeared in our house. And it said, uh, the title of the book, which is all I remember, uh, was, If You Love Me, Don't Feed Me Junk. Uh, my mom's doctor, my pediatrician, was a neighbor and a really good family friend. And... He did his research on ADD and ADHD, hyperactivity. And the first thing he came back to my mom was get rid of all the sugar. Now this was back in the late 70s. And so this is when uh, there was awareness that was just beginning. Shopping organic food meant you were a kook. My mom made her own baby food at home from food that she bought and then would grind it up and feed it. My mother was a La Leche League uh, instructor my mom had a really good understanding of healthy food. Uh, I call her a Betty Crocker cook because every single one of our meals had a meat, had a vegetable, had a salad, and had a starch. Uh, and she did good. Turns out later on in life, I found out that my mom utterly hated cooking. Um, but she was, she was good. She, she fed us well. My guess is Christina Veselak and... We're going to talk about what came out of that early research and how far the research has gone about, and I'm going to say it straight, putting crap into your body. And let me, Christine and I were talking about this last night. When you go to a 12-step meeting, an AA or an NA or a CA meeting, and everybody's inside talking about addiction and how, how important it is to confront your addiction and confront these addictive behaviors, and then you step outside, you smoke a cigarette, you drink a cup of coffee or a monster, and you eat a donut or a cookie that someone bought. And we are literally exchanging one addiction for another. And I'm going to tell you, I'm here at an, uh, a conference that is about addiction treatment. And every single table, except for ours, I'm proud to say. Mine. Oh, and Christina's, I absolutely. Because wait, let me, you had nuts and tangerines at your booth. And we have yerba mate and trail mix that our kitchen staff made. 
every single other booth has candy. When, Christina, are we going to learn as healthcare providers that what we put in our body is the utter catalyst for all our disease? When too many people have died. And I'm actually sitting here right now with tears in my eyes because of what you just said. Because too many people have already died and more are going to before we get the message that people are dying of starving brains. Starving brains are what people are dying of. And our young people are dying of starving brains because most teenagers out there do not have mothers like yours who knew what to do and fed their kids even though she probably hated it. She did it anyway because she had the knowledge and she had the love. Unfortunately, so many parents may have the love, but they don't have the knowledge. And kids are going to do what kids are going to do anyway. And unfortunately, so many of our teenagers are killing themselves or killing other people because of the crap they're putting in their bodies that are dysregulating them and are also keeping their brains from building the proper chemicals that we all need in our brains for peace and calm and happiness and stress resilience and recovery and to learn new skills and to learn cognitive skills. You said something yesterday as you and I met face to face for the first time. You said something yesterday that I have decided that when I go back to my facility at Fire Mountain, I'm going to have it carved into a piece of wood and put it over the kitchen, the where where the kids get their food from the kitchen. And it you told me, and this is what this is going to say, skipping a meal is the number one cause of relapse. Yes. And people may look at me and say, well, you know, relapse is caused by this trigger and that trigger and the other trigger. And yes, except that as human beings, we know how to deal with stress. As recovering people, we know how to deal with triggers. That's what treatment is all about, is to teach us what to do when a trigger hits, what to do when a stressor hits, what to do when we get fired or our wife or husband yells at us, or, 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 right? The problem is, is we need a functioning brain in order to utilize those skills. And for our brain to function, it needs to be well-fed. We have discovered that by missing a meal, and I have all sorts of stories of clients who missed meals and things that happen, when we miss a meal, our prefrontal cortex goes offline. This is where we store our recovery skills. This is where we access them. This is where we remember to slow down and breathe and eat and call our sponsor and go for a walk or take a shower. If our prefrontal cortex is offline because there's not enough glucose flow to it, we don't remember to do these things. They've done studies that have shown that when there's not enough glucose in the prefrontal cortex, people's willpower goes away. People have a harder time saying no. We, I don't think there is anybody in this room I don't think there is anybody listening 
I don't think that there is anybody in the United States who thinks that the quote end quote food that McDonald's serves is good for you. I, I don't think anybody believes that it's good. However, it is consistently the longest line at the airport. It's, it's longer than security lines sometimes. Why, why, if we know, do we continue to go? Because these foods are addictive and they've been designed to be addictive. They've been consciously designed to create cravings in people. The combination of salt, sugar, and fat has been actually scientifically uh, combined to elicit the strongest cravings from the general public. And this is tragic, and this is ethically horrific, and lots of people are making lots of money off it. So a good friend of mine, Julia Ross, who started using amino acid therapy in her treatment program 30 years ago, how I got started in all of this, recently released a book called The Craving Cure. And she talks about how to use diet and amino acid therapy to stop food addiction and sugar addiction. And she talks about how these foods were scientifically created to create cravings and addiction and how by eating protein every four hours and taking specific amino acids to rebuild your neurotransmitters, because the neurotransmitters are what allow us to cope with stress, um, so that we don't have cravings anymore. As, a, as an addict in about 22 years of recovery, I'm coming up on it. The idea of not having cravings is unbelievably, because I still have cravings. I still think about drugs. I, I'm, I crave sugar. The more I eat sugar, the more I crave sugar. And if I stop eating bread, I stop eating potatoes, I give myself a long period of time, suddenly I don't crave sugar at night. Bingo. So again, okay, I'm, I want to back up because this was, I, was a, I loved how you just came straight at these parents with the left hook. Now tell them, please, um, how you know all this stuff. How'd you get into this work? What are you, where, what's your background? Okay, I'm going to do that, but I want to tell you one story. Yeah, please it's a, do. It's a wonderful story. This 33-year-old woman um, was in her fourth treatment program at a, at a amino acid IV detox place where I was working. She had been through three previous treatment programs, relapsed within a couple of months after each one, was going to two AA meetings a day, was committed to sobriety and couldn't find it. And so I asked her what she ate. And she said, well, you know, I don't eat very well. I eat kind of haphazardly. And I said, you know, what we found is that missing a meal creates cravings and relapse. And she told me a story. She told me a story of going to a Wayne Dwyer lecture. And he was talking about recovery. And she was so excited and so inspired and so enthused. And in the middle of this lecture, she committed heart and soul to sobriety again left that lecture and got drunk, got drunk. And she was in tears telling me this story because she didn't know why she had gotten drunk after 100% heart and soul 
committing to sobriety. So I said, well, what? I know why you, I know why you went out and got drunk. I said, tell me what happened earlier in the day. Did you have breakfast? She said, yes. That's a good breakfast. Did you have lunch? No, I got too busy. Did you have a mid-afternoon snack? No, I never do. Did you have dinner? No, we were running late for the lecture. And so my husband picked me up and we went into the lecture and we got there at seven o'clock and it got out at 10. Her blood sugar was very low. Her adrenaline was running. Her prefrontal cortex was offline. She was emotionally dysregulated. Her conditioned response to go for alcohol when she's emotionally dysregulated kicked in and she went out and got drunk. And alcohol turns right into sugar in your body. And so now you've got the big sugar rush, which makes you feel for a moment like you've got the energy to keep going. And, but then there's that follow-up crash and those crashes are devastating to people. Well, those crashes are devastating to people. I'm going to correct you on one thing. Good. We were all taught, and Milam in his book, you know, which we all learned as addiction counselors, taught that uh, alcohol is a sugar and raises blood sugar levels. Right. It's actually not. Really? Really. So I put together a lecture on low blood sugar and relapse several years ago. And I thought, okay, alcohol is a sugar, which means it must have a number on the glycemic index. Right. Because the glycemic index tells us how quickly things turn into sugar in the bloodstream. So I looked up rum, and it said zero. I looked up vodka, and it said zero. Um, and I said, okay, there must be something wrong with the website. So I went to a different website and looked up rum and vodka and whiskey, and they were all zero. Third website, they were all zero. <laughs> so I said, okay, three websites, okay. Um, there's gotta be something wrong with my theory. So I started looking into it, and it turns out that alcohol, by the time you've dis you have distilled alcohol, all the sugar has been fermented out of it. And so it's not metabolized as a sugar. No, if you add stuff to it, like course, orange juice, of course, of right? Course. And beer and wine still have some sugar in them, but your hard liquor, it's all been it's all been uh, distilled out. And but so alcohol actually lowers blood sugar levels. Two ounces can dangerously lower blood sugar levels, and that's what leads to the craving for more and more wow. and more because um, there's something that happens when you're an alcoholic and you end up craving alcohol, even though it lowers your blood sugar levels, you end up craving it when your blood sugar is low. We've seen this over and over this again. This is fascinating. But a lot of drunk behavior is actually due to low blood sugar. So that's a, this is amazing. Okay. Okay, now who am I? Yes, who are you? I want, I want parents to know who you are so they can follow up with you and- Absolutely. So I am a licensed psychotherapist. I've been licensed for over 30 years and I've been working in the addiction field for over 30 years. I am also a certified nutritionist specializing in mental health nutrition. I have a private practice, both as a psychotherapist and as a nutritionist working in Centennial, Colorado, edge of Denver. I also do work online and on the phone, nutrition work. And I would be happy to meet with any of you. 
either in person or online, but I also run the Academy for Addiction and Mental Health Nutrition, and I teach other clinicians how to do this themselves and how to teach their clients themselves all of this life-saving information. And we have a new online class starting in two weeks, and we encourage you to get on our newsletter, take our class, come in for a session, or just call me with questions. Okay, so let's let's talk about that. So before before we totally wrap up, and I'm going to have you give some of your information again. I want more from you for these parents. And and the big the big thing is, you you do consultation with facilities like mine to help them reestablish their diets. You know our psychiatrist who we work with. You know the medical doctor that we work with. So I feel like we've got a nice. Uh, we've got a nice start, all right. We're we're a we're a gluten-free facility. We're a dairy-free facility. I'm so, I'm so thrilled to know that a facility like yours exists. Well, you can thank my wife for that one because when I met her and she saw what I was feeding my daughter as a single dad, she was like, "So that's stopping now." And she has carried that into our work. And having having someone like you with your background praise that, tell her, not me, because. Okay. Uh, um, but, but just like standing outside the 12-step rooms and everybody's smoking and drinking cups of coffee that have been loaded with sugar and they're getting the caffeine stimulant and the nicotine stimulant. Because people switch addictions in early recovery from their drug of choice or behavior of choice to sugar because sugar is also an addictive drug. So what are three things that we, you could you could blanket say safely blanket say parents get rid of these three things in your cabinets right now and your kids uh, uh, risk for at-risk behavior will drop sugar preservatives and food coloring not all of your kids are going to be sensitive to food coloring and preservatives but some of them will be and when you remove them those kids are going to feel better um, everybody's sensitive to sugar because sugar dysregulates all of us. But you can't just remove things and leave a void. So you learn how to cook. My colleague has teaching classes. Um, you bring in the protein every four hours for yourself as parents too. Because when we, not only are we more liable to have a craving if we miss a meal, we're more liable to have anxiety irritability and even violence so eating 15 to 20 grams of protein every four hours for parents and somewhat less but a good teenager needs that amount as well every four hours will improve everybody's mood and behavior and allow you to heal as a family I, I you know I want to say not only to that healing as a family because uh, that always has kind of this image that it's something that's going to take a lot of time. I remember, and I use this a lot in my parents' weekend. I use this concept a lot, where I say, you know, you're you're the mom, and you're in the cereal aisle with your toddler. The toddler's having an utter meltdown, and the mom's getting angry and embarrassed and frustrated because she's got so much to do and she's got a kid who needs to be picked up from school and this toddler's got to get to the babysitter and mom runs her own business and she's got some work to do and they had a sugary cereal for breakfast so that whoop whoop yep, is, is exactly. taking class they're late for lunch they haven't had anything 
this is not a child misbehaving and a mom being a bad mom. This is a brain malfunction on a child's part and an adult's part. How can we parent from a powerful place if we're hungry? We can't. And you said at the beginning, and I'm going to use it. I'm going to use it for the title of this show and the next one we do because we're going to talk again. This is an important hour-long talk where people need your expertise. Moms, dads, parents, teachers, clinicians, everybody needs this. You said our brains are starving to death. Yes. How can you can't you can't parent if your brain is starving to death? Parents, when I, when I end every single show, and you know I'm going to end this show saying the same thing. You take care of yourself first. You take care of your adult relationship second. You take care of your children third because in that way, you do your best work with your kids. Having a meal, that's what we're talking about. It starts with what you're putting in your body. It's not about, oh, every day you have to get up and go to the gym. It starts with, you said, protein every four hours. Are you talking about like a chunk of meat? Or what it, please, please explain. Okay, so it could be a chunk of meat, um, a piece of meat or fish the size of your palms, about 20 grams of protein. Okay, yeah, uh, about an inch. Sorry, about an inch. Yeah. Inch and a palm. Yep, is 20 grams of protein. Two eggs is 14 grams of protein. One of those little tubs of Greek yogurt, not the other yogurts, but the Greek ones, which is a little more condensed, is 12 grams of protein. So for, for breakfast, two eggs with a piece of cheese, if you can tolerate milk, not everybody can, with maybe a piece of toast or better, um, some fried up tomatoes and an apple. So they okay. do get that sugar. Yeah. You, you want them to have a good healthy fruit sugar. You know, good healthy fruit sugar, good healthy uh, complex carbohydrates that, that break down slowly in your bloodstream and in your stomach. The glycemic index is low, not high. Sugar's at 100. White potatoes are at 100. Um, we want to be below 50. Um, so our blood sugar rises and falls very smoothly throughout the day. So we don't have any adrenaline. Um, I grew up in a European family. So we have all sorts of weird things for breakfast. I won't mention some of them, but um, I love sardines on toast for breakfast with sliced onion and tomato, okay? That feeds my brain. It gives me some of those omegas threes, keeps my blood sugar stable. I'm gluten-free. I went gluten-free 30 years ago before anybody had ever heard the word. Before it was cool. Be way before it was cool. <laughs> Turn my life around. I bet. So when I say toast, I mean rice toast. Yeah. Uh, but it makes a huge difference. And, um, you know, same thing for lunch. Have a mid-afternoon snack. Uh, we have nuts at our table. People like jerky. People like hard-boiled eggs. Yes. I personally can't eat eggs. Eggs make me depressed because I'm allergic to them. Okay. So I have to get creative when I'm at conferences like this one to feed myself. <laughs> um, but it works. So just whatever you like best. And we can troubleshoot to find out what works for you. All right, so let's go back to a family. A mom has been told by some people, hey, you need to check into your kid's diet, your family's diet. They want your support. How do they contact you? 303-888-9617 is my phone number. 
if you want to reach me urgently, text me rather than calling me. My email address is my name, Christina Veselock at gmail.com or garden-gatecounseling.com. Christina, thank you so much. Uh, moms, dads, teachers, and clinicians, Academy for Addiction and Mental Health Nutrition. My guest has been Christina Veselock, and we're going to talk again. We need an hour-long show because this is there's a lot of lists that parents, teachers, and clinicians need to support these families. And the, the oldest saying, crap in, crap out. If you're putting crap in your body, that's all you can do. That's, that's the best you can do is crap it out and everything else is going to come apart. So parents, you know the mantra, take care of yourself first, take care of your adult relationship second, take care of your children third, because in that way we do our best work with our children. Christina, thank you very much. And this is Aaron and Beyond Risk It Back from the Winter Symposium in Colorado Springs. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Join us each week for your connection to experts in adolescent health and wellness, recovery, and responsibility, and also to listen to teens talk about their lives in crisis. For more information on our program for struggling teens or me, please go to firemountainprograms.com, join us on Facebook at Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center, or at Beyond Risk and Back. Visit our YouTube channel at Fire Mountain RTC for even more support with our parent training videos. Special thanks to Mental Health News Radio for their continued love and support of our program. Please go to mentalhealthnewsradio.com to see all of their podcasts. Feel free to email me at Aaron at firemountainprograms.com. <laughs>